0: Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr Richard Bloom and Dr Kim Taylor from Re Plastic Surgery and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to.
1: Most are not coming in saying I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson.
2: And so it can be quite life-changing for them and um we see improvements in their self esteem their confidence
1: if someone's had good work done then no i don't
2: i don't believe it is obvious if you're having a breast augmentation you know you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma
0: in december a flu like virus emerged in china and has since traveled across the globe infecting thousands with the death toll growing we of course now know that this is coronavirus also known as covid-19 but still, we don't really know that much about it. So Richard and Kim are here today to tell us what they know about it and how it's impacting medical experts in Australia. Thanks for joining us again today, Richard and Kim. Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Richard, let's start with you. Why is everyone so concerned about COVID-19 and how is it different from the common flu? Uh,
2: the main really thing is... Uh, the exponential growth. So it's extraordinarily contagious and it also is far more deadly than the common flu. So I think people are struggling to understand the how exponential growth differs to linear growth. And the best example I've heard is if you imagine a pond and a lily pad on the pond and on day one, there's one lily pad, day two, there's two, then there's four, then eight, 16, 32, 64, until eventually the entire pond is covered. Well, the day before the pond is covered, there's 50% of the pond is covered and the day before it's 25%. So these are the trends that we're seeing through some European countries and in China where the numbers are relatively low and then bang, it just uh, explodes and, and then, and then the health system gets overwhelmed.
0: And even that visual picture, it shows. I guess it's very strong, isn't it, about how the impacts that it can have on society.
2: No, extraordinarily, and the the stories that we're hearing from doctors in Italy, it, it's quite frightening how it can potentially expand.
0: Now, of course, we know that you guys are not specialists in this field, but you obviously do have a lot of a lot more medical knowledge than the average person. So can you just run us through what it actually is, Kim?
1: Um, so coronavirus or SARS-CoV-2, as the actual virus itself is called. Um, is a virus which is a tiny, tiny little particle that needs to get into a host and then get into host cells to then replicate and do its harm. The disease that is, that, that virus then causes is called COVID-19, and it's in the family of other SARS-type viruses that we've heard of over the past 10 or so years. Um, but this one is sweeping because of its how contagious it is around the world a lot quicker. So viruses get into cells via the mucous membranes essentially, so mouth, nose and eyes of um, people.
0: Um, And through your eyes. I think that's a thing that people might not think of normally. Well, that brings us to how do you actually catch it? um, So it's a
1: droplet spread. Um, So an analogy that I heard which I thought was quite good is that um, it's not actually floating around in the air all the time. So people don't need to be worried about the air that they're breathing walking down the street. Um, and we can, I guess, touch on the importance of, or lack of importance of masks, I guess, <laughs> uh, a little bit uh, later. But um, you have to essentially be coughed on or sneezed on to get direct spread from someone that already has the virus or else um, collect it from a surface onto your hand um, and then put it your hand to your mouth or your nose or your face. So that's why there's a lot of importance on uh, keeping distance and also um, washing hands f- frequently because it, it's it's either by contact of a surface that's been contaminated or else by direct spread through the air, um, but it's not floating around in the air all the time.
0: In terms of you've touched on it there, the mask, why don't they work and why, why do special masks work? Can we clarify those?
2: The regular masks we use in operating rooms and in, in offices, they're not a total seal. So there are some masks that have a total seal and so they would be effective, but the world has run out of them. So the masks that are now available just don't completely protect you from the aerosol spread that Kim's been talking about.
1: The other thing is that masks don't lasts for very long so when you're breathing in and out of it and it's moist air that you're breathing in and out if you have the virus the mask will then have the virus on it and people that are not used to wearing masks all the time and even myself in the operating room I hate wearing a mask Mm. Um, and when I'm not actually operating, I fiddle with it and you touch your face all the time. And so people that are not used to wearing masks, walking around, wearing them all the time, they are fiddling with them, touching them. And so there's much greater risk, risk of spread if you're actually
0: doing that, if you've got the disease. Right. So you're um, transferring all the time. Effectively, absolutely. Yeah. And
1: and most people you see wearing them aren't wearing them correctly. <laughs> One, they're not a total as Richard said, but also either wearing it around their chin, not covering their nose and their mouth. Um, they're still fiddling with the mask touching their eyes, et cetera.
0: So what are you guys doing at replastic surgery in order to, I guess, deal with the issue and to stop
2: the spread? We've been very proactive, Alex, so pretty much from when it all started. So we're fortunate we're not in a hospital. Um, I think hospitals with more traffic and potentially sick patients where some clinics are located would be higher risk. Also, our Uh, Reception area is quite big, so we can do social distancing very easily. As a clinic though, we also run to time. So wait times are minimized. So contact with other patients uh, is minimized. And we're also offering for patients when they arrive at the clinic, if they want to call us and we can come and collect them and then they can go straight into a room. Um, In addition to, so that's sort of our normal practice pretty much anyway. In addition to all of that, we've are also we got hand sanitizers everywhere in every room, in the reception, at the entrance, where you come up through the elevator. We're wiping down surfaces after every patient, as well as regularly throughout the day, even if the patient hasn't been through. We're practicing social distancing between staff and also with our patients. We're using gloves whenever we do have to touch a patient, even if it's nothing related to a wound. We're also offering video consultations. So we're quite advanced in doing that. We've been doing it for several months already for our interstate patients. So we've got a really great setup. It's not quite as easy as just FaceTiming someone because we need to be able to show them what the operation is. We need to be able to explain it to them. There's a lot of visual cues. Uh, we also need to show them before and after photos. So that's all integrated into our patient portal and into the video consultation so that so patients have that option. And we're encouraging patients to do that, particularly at this time.
0: Do you find that a lot of people are, are taking it up and finding it, an easy, I guess, an easy way to...
2: Look, I think it's still consult. very early in the whole disease. I don't think people necessarily are as concerned as maybe they could be. So, so far, not that many Although everyone has been offered, but I think you know it's really all it's really hit, started to hit home this week. I think from next week we will start to see more people take the opportunity to uh, use that facility, which you know a lot of other practices probably won't have.
0: And I do want to note when we came in today, you did take our temperature with a with a pretty technical looking thermometer, and we're all good.
2: There's a funny story around that thermometer, so. Uh, it's an infrared forehead thermometer so it doesn't have to touch the skin and uh, I was very fortunate our nurse searched high and low to get that uh, and I think we got the last one in Australia. Right,
0: so you've snapped it up. And have you been using it on a daily basis or...?
2: Uh, I do. I mean, I, um, I, we check all the staff temperature um uh, the other point I didn't mention before is we, we are speaking to all the patients before they arrive, sh- making sure that they're not showing any signs or symptoms of coronavirus and any, any staff member, obviously, who is unwell, they're, they're being uh, self-quarantined and not coming to work.
0: So what are the symptoms that patients should be looking out for before they come in and seeing you guys? Um, So the the commonest symptom is fever
1: um, and that uh, we believe is what precedes most other things. A dry cough is also very common. Headache, sore throat and as the symptoms are getting worse, shortness of breath. If anyone's got to that point then they need to be contacting the health line and finding uh, adequate places that they should be going to get tested. Up until this point, most of the... Um, concern has been about patients or people that have recently flown in from countries of concern. But over the next few days, most of the cases that we're going to see in Australia are going to be from direct contact, not of someone that's Flown in necessarily, but someone that already has it and may not be showing symptoms. So that's the other difference between this disease and the flu as well is that it's contagious before you can show you can have it and show no signs or symptoms um, and not have any issues, and then actually you've already passed it on before you're aware that that you've got a problem.
0: So for someone that has a surgery coming up or they're just starting the journey, what's what's the message to them regarding their surgery
2: and their process? Surgery itself doesn't pose any particular um, risk to patients with coronavirus um, and all elective surgery will proceed unless there is a, a, a directive, I think, from the government that elective surgery has to stop. Again, we're fortunate in that we work in quite small hospitals. There's not much throughput. There's not inpatients per se who are sick and might be being treated with for coronavirus and so they're, they're relative, relatively low-risk environments. Theatre itself poses no particular risk. And, you know, once you've had your surgery, you sort of stay at home and you're kind of self-isolating anyway. But the surgery itself, I don't think, uh, increases your risk particularly. And, you know, we're, we're comfortable with the facilities we're working in. We In the near future, we can't see that stopping, although... It, it, it's it's evolving um, hourly and daily, so um, watch this space.
1: I, th- I think the main thing that if the hospitals were yeah. running short of, Stock and staff, um, and that's that's like quite a bit down the line, and hopefully won't be happening in this country. But we we can't predict the future, and um, we're in constant contact with the hospitals that we work in on a daily basis, and keeping our patients as informed as we um, get the information to hand each day.
0: And in those worst case scenarios, if someone's surgery is uh, postponed, um, what happens in terms of the surgery and refunds and
2: um, look, like every other business, where we we want to try and ease the burden of all this on on everyone. So, in the first instance, we'd rescheduled to a point where it was where activity is back on. Uh, if people were are facing financial hardship and they have paid. For their surgery, and it's not going ahead in the foreseeable future, then, like all responsible businesses, we we wouldn't we would refund their uh, their payment, and and then they can rebook uh, down the track.
0: Great. All right. Well, look, I think that covers pretty much everything regarding you know coronavirus in this special episode. But is there is there anything that um, you, and a message that you want to send to patients just in this time before we end up?
2: Yeah, look, it's it's a very it's quite a confronting and scary time for everyone. Our advice for everyone is, uh, as I think Kim has already said, is to practice uh, social distancing, avoid any crowds, unnecessary crowds, cough with uh, cough and sneeze with appropriate etiquette into your um, elbow or sleeve, avoid anyone who has been in contact with someone who has had coronavirus. And if you are experiencing any symptoms, particularly a, a fever, then to self-isolate and, and do the right thing and, and stay away from other people.
1: And the other things I would add is be kind to everyone. <laughs> and there's a lot, of, a lot of craziness out there at the moment. And look after yourselves and your loved ones and certainly if for whatever reason someone wants to postpone their surgery, then, you know, we're totally understanding and won't be holding anyone to blame or anything for that. So, yeah, we we want everyone to really, you know, a patient and our staff safety is our highest priority always. So, you know, that we want people to be looking after themselves and their loved ones.
2: I actually had an interesting insight from a patient today along the lines of what Kim's saying. And Victoria and New South Wales... And, and much of Australia has, has had a pretty tough few months with the fires, and it's it's just interesting during the fires everyone was just so gracious and generous and helpful, and the behaviour we're seeing now in the in the supermarkets and other places it's kind of the opposite. And as Kim said, everyone's just got to look out for each other, look be kind, and um, and we'll we'll be able to get through it.
0: Yeah. Great. All right. Well, look, thank you very much for coming in for the special episode today. Thanks.
2: Thanks for having us, Alex.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media.